for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it all right hello everybody and this is welcome to the reality czars podcast we're your hosts nate and tony and we have uh, awesome guest on today his name is matt matt you want to introduce yourself a little bit yeah, I am uh, Matt Erickson's my name. I am the host of uh, the I'm the co-host of the Wealth Power and Influence podcast with Jason Stapleton, and I've been doing that for about three years. And then I am the host, uh, I guess, also co-host of a, of another podcast we just started several months ago called King Pilled. And uh, I I've gone on a journey over the last several years, um, especially over the last couple from originally kind of like, uh, uh, I grew up a really conservative Christian and, uh, a Protestant. I was seventh day Adventist growing up and, uh, kind of drifted away from the church throughout my twenties, uh, went to college and that's kind of what started it as, 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 as happens with a lot of people. And I, I kind of just drifted away from the church and got into sports and politics and that kind of thing. And then, uh, through the course of digging into politics and trying, it's like, if you want to understand what's happening right now, you need to go figure out what happened just before now. And so I would go like, go back a little bit in history and try to understand what's happening. And then, and then I realized, okay, well, to understand that I need to go back a little further. And so I was kind of doing that and okay, well, I need to go back a little further. I kept doing this process until, uh, eventually I got, you know, it's like I got zoomed out really, really far, and I started recognizing these cycles that that always happen throughout human uh, human culture, and and it kind of occurred to me. I, I kind of came to the realization that religion and politics are effectively the same thing. That it's like the same software running on the on the operating system of of our consciousness, I guess you might say. And that was a really big uh, kind of a red pill for me. And so at, at the at the point where that occurred. It was probably about a year, year and a half ago. It's kind of, it's, it's happened. There wasn't a, a light, major light bulb moment. It just kind of happened over the course of time. Um, but I, I considered myself at the time a, a, a pretty like rabid Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist. And, and even now, I still, I still, I, I don't know, like subconsciously, I still see myself that way. I feel as if I've gone, um, I've, I've gone even deeper into it, but um, I've, I've started finding myself just not, not seeing the world the same way as most ANCAPs and kind of a little, we're a little bit at loggerheads in some, in some ways. So, uh, so I guess if you're anywhere around libertarian Twitter or anything like that, or you listen to the libertarian podcast circuit, you probably came across me in the last, in the last four to six weeks, I had a, a, an appearance on uh, Pete Quinona's show, free man beyond the wall. And, uh, that got a pretty big, a pretty big hullabaloo. And uh, immediately after that, I was invited to go on the Liberty, Lo- Liberty Lockdown podcast um, by Clint Russell. And uh, I did that podcast with, with Vin Armani, or, or Cyprian as he's known now. And uh, that ended up being quite a, quite a spicy show. And it got a lot of people talking, and, uh, and I got inundated with interview requests. So, and that, that's, that's, how, that's what got me to hear. <laughs> yeah. So I I almost think that you're on the post anarchist journey, which is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. And dude, I listened to your episode with Pete, and you kind of just exploded my fucking brain. Frankly, like oh, I couldn't shut up about you for like a couple days. Like I was driving <laughs> my wife fucking nuts. Um, what was it? What was it that 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 got you? I think the biggest thing is like 
like with the whole voting thing because dude i've been an agorist i've been like a fucking like anti-political uh libertarian for like the last couple of years i was hard like voting is violence a hard hardcore voluntarist and just like listening to you and listening to pete because i've been listening to pete too and on his journey but like do you actually want fucking liberty or are you just busy living in Ancapistan in your head? And yes. what the fuck are we doing, man? Cause like me and Tony had been actually talking, like we had been on our own little journey thinking about that. Cause like I was actually watching Tony, you're going to have to help me out with this. Cause I always forget his name. Uh, who is the fucking crazy cult leader? You know who I'm talking about that, uh, from Oregon. Oh, yeah. 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 I was watching that documentary and I was like, I was like, could we fucking do that? What's stopping us from doing that? Like, I want to take over a little fucking tiny town. You're the fucking, you're the fucking mayor. I'll be the sheriff. You're the, you know what I mean? Like, can we, and, uh, and I was like, well, this contradicts my principles. And you know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm fighting this in my head. And I'm like, I won't even fucking vote for a tax to be lowered. You know what I mean? Because I'm such a fucking autistic asshole. And then your fucking show just blew my fucking brains out. Well, so, that's good. That's thank good. You. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, uh, I, I guess through the so my my impression of agorism had always I I guess I'd had a mistaken understanding of it because my my understanding of agorism had always been that it was a uh, it, it was basically a complete detachment from the state. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the, and a, a, the, the ideology of, of basically living in all the negative space from the yeah. state and never having anything to do with it. But, um, apparently, uh, I've been, I've had a few people tell me now that the, the ideas that I'm talking about, the ideas of, of, of look out for your own self, take care of your own life, provide for yourself and your family, ensure your own security and security. hundred percent. Right. But the part I didn't yeah. realize is apparently part of agorism is there, there isn't necessarily a principled opposition to, 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 um, to, to engaging with the state. It's that you're going to engage with the state on your terms. And yeah. uh, so if, if you have to, if you have to buy off a, a politician or pay off a lobbyist or, or whatever to maintain your lifestyle, then you do that on a pragmatic basis. I didn't realize that that was part of agorism. And um, it was actually, it was, it was, it was Vin Armani who reached out to me uh, after, uh, after one of the episodes uh, I did recently. And he said, basically, he said, what you're describing is what Konkin described in agorism. He said, you don't even have to bother reading the book because he said, you, like, you already get it. And he said, you even you're like, your presentation of it is even more charismatic than his. So you don't even have to bother reading him, but you get it. Like, and I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, so I guess, I guess I'm an agorist. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Goddamn Konkin was such a bad motherfucker, dude. Well, what's interesting is apparently so so his the reason he wrote the book was as a response to Rothbard getting sucked into the LP. And it was, we're, we're, we're seeing like a there's like a parallel here now where that exact yeah. same thing is happening, that the one of the most, I guess, most prominent radical Rothbardian ANCAPs right now is now involving himself with the LP. And so you're starting yeah. to see a, a revival of, of uh, I guess, agorist sentiment. So it's kind of like, you know, history, they say history history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Yeah, it, it is interesting. There is a split breaking right now between, I, I would say between the radicals. So uh, 
Dave has definitely been able to, uh, Dave Smith, everybody should know who the fuck we're talking about. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you know who he is. But uh, he has really recruited a lot of the, the radicals, uh, the people that were, you know, actual anarchists. And uh, and then I think, like you said, there's there's been a fucking split. There's people that are just like, fuck the LP. Because I've been saying fuck the LP forever. Like, I think technically I'm a member of the LP. And I think uh, I tried to fucking vote for uh, for Gary Johnson back in 2016. But that was the one shame I've ever had. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's actually, I think that there's going to be a split here. And, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because, frankly, like, I can see some of the good that the Mises Caucus does. Like, on the local level, I can see them, like, decriminalizing fucking mushrooms in little places here and there. And, like, where I can see little glimpses of fucking liberty being, you know... And I think that's where you can, on the very small scale, like, in a small area. And for that, I say, like, fuck yeah, go for it. Um, I Are we wasting our time with a presidential run? Probably. Yeah, because what I would say is that Probably. that local... I agree with you on the local level. I agree with you that that's where that's where stuff can 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 be accomplished. But what makes that very difficult is a really big, loud national campaign that gets everybody looking at the LP. Like like those two things work against each other. If your goal is we're going to work behind the scenes at the local level, like what makes the local level effective is the fact that it's not in the eye of Sauron. Yeah. But if you're going to do this big, big, loud, you know run at the regime shaking our balls at it campaign, you're just going to get the eye of Sauron directed at you. And so that's going to compromise what you can do. Or I don't know if I can't, I can't say that it will compromise it. I think it will compromise it. What it will do is it will direct more attention to the local level, which will change the way that you have to, to um, devote resources and, and, or I guess allocate resources and it'll change your strategy at the local level. And I think it's in a way that makes it more inefficient. So my my opposition to the whole L take over the LP thing isn't uh it's not a principled opposition it's not like I um I have a, a a principled moral issue with participating in a political party it's that I think it's a strategic error and yeah. I think it's a massive strategic error I think it's a it's a colossal blunder and I think that that making that blunder uh demonstrates and the people who participate in it, a complete misunderstanding of the nature of the state, where the state comes from, how the state operates, and uh, the the mechanisms whereby it sustains itself. Because well, what I think it, what, a lot what, of people don't have that understanding. Right. I think a lot of people are super lost on that. And I think a lot of people are just desperate. And Dave is selling a good fucking, like a, a nice looking sports car. You know, it's right. good. And and that's where that's where you got like the the kind of the dramatic part of the of the Liberty Lockdown interview was because of that dynamic right there. That um I mean if you so so the book, if you you listen to my 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 Pete Quinona's interview, I, you heard me mention the book The Machiavellians by James Burham. I've and got it written is, down, I'm gonna buy it. Good. I was do gonna it. try to that read it is, before we had our conversation, but it's a it'll take you yeah. a while to get through to be perfectly frank and and I'll say this to you or to anybody listening who's thinking about reading it the first little bit of the book will be rough going it's it's a bit of a slog at first um the the first couple I think it's like five five sections maybe and like the first two sections are are a little rough getting through 
if you once you've read the whole book, when you go back and you read through those sections, they you connect with them a lot more. But yeah. it would like the the book would have been better if it was if it was structured in a different order, perhaps. So so the first little bit of the book will be a, a little dry, a little hard to get through, but then it'll really take off. And okay. what you what you understand once you read that book, the way that Burnham lays out the the functioning of um, of, a, of a political system, the you know like uh, Gaetano Mosca's concept of the political formula, which is that that every regime, no matter the structure or the, or the nature of the regime, it has a, a mythology. It has a story that it tells everyone and what it, that it tells itself for why it exists. But that story is always just that. It's a story. Then there's the, the actual justification. And this happens at a fractal level. It happens on the, on the, the overall reason for, the, for, the, for the, the regime to exist. But the, even on the local policy level, they'll, a, a, an easy example is you'll see corporations will advocate for uh, um, raising the minimum wage. And so the story that they have for that is poor people make work minimum wage jobs. They're struggling in the economy. So we need poor people to have more money. So we need to raise the minimum wage to get more money. But any, basically any ANCAP understands the actual reason that the corporation is supporting the raise in the minimum wage is because it'll put their competition out of business. It'll give them a competitive ad, ad, advantage. So that's the, that's the political formula. You have, you have the formal justification for the policy that is what everyone talks about. Then you have the informal actual reason for the policy. So that's just one example of the type of, of it's, it's the book approaches political science as a science. You're, you're, you're looking at this as um, like impersonally. You're not having a conversation about what should or shouldn't happen. You're having a conversation about what does happen. And then you're understanding why. That's fascinating. I like that a lot, actually, because that's almost how I see things. I don't know. I think I am on the spectrum. I'm fucking autistic, dude. I can look at something that should shock me. And I can look at it like I'm a fucking like somebody looking down, you know, and yeah. I've always had that. And so people can always ask me, like, how the fuck do you watch news and not get depressed? And I'm like, because it's not real to me. Like, it is. It's real to me. But like, I, I it doesn't I don't absorb it. I'm watching right. it, you know, I'm watching it from the outside. Right. So that's really fascinating. I'm going to have, we're going to have to have you back on, man, after I read the book, because me and Tony will read that shit. Yeah, because that'll be a fascinating yeah. conversation. We'll be able to probably communicate on a deeper level. Yeah. Right, right. I'm kind of curious, like, do you see any value in this effort of trying to push people more into the libertarian space? I feel like right now there's so many people who are going there without a story. And yes, you're creating more visible targets. But you're also creating more targets, which makes it easier for everyone to slip through. It's. I think that the general effect of it is that it. Um, there's there's an opportunity cost. So for everybody who's who's getting involved in the LP, for every new person you pull into the LP, there's in the vast majority of cases, I would say that that person could be much more productive and. Um, and effective doing something else. So the fact that they're leaving something else to get into the LP means that you're 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 losing that difference in whether it's productivity or or, or whatever. So I think that there are there there can be a justification for certain people getting involved, kind of because it's like, well, if you've already got everything, if you've got your life settled, if you're secure, like you've got, you can completely control the source of your income. You. Um, like you, you own all of the land that you live on. You're completely financially secure. You've, you've had kids, you've got like, 
you've got your life completely sorted out and you're just kind of like, all right, well, now what am I going to do? How am I going to change the world? And you're like, okay, well, I think that I see this area with the LP that I could get involved in to do that. Like, that's the type of person that I could, I, I, I'd be like, okay, well, it seems like I, I would still tell that person, you'd be much better off putting this money and re- these resources and everything towards something that really moves the needle. Like you're, you're taking like the most inefficient course, but someone like that, I'd be like, all right, well, you know, go knock yourself out. The, the, but the thing with it is that by when that type of person gets involved in it, by definition, that sort of person is going to drag a lot of other people who don't meet that qualification. Cause this is the way that human societies organize themselves. The small percent of people, this is what I was bringing up the book for the, 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 um, uh, Pareto, Vilfredo Pareto has this thing called the, the, the Pareto distribution, which is, um, that, that, that like all throughout human society, all throughout, throughout life, throughout reality, you see this distribution of the 80, 20, uh, rule, the 80, 20 distribution. So 20% of the people will have 80% of the wealth, 80% of the people have the other 20%. And this goes all the way up like you know, 99 and one. So human societies are governed by the elites, every single uh, societal structure. It doesn't matter what your societal structure is. It will be governed by elites. And this was one of the observations that Pareto made is that a revolution is not the people overthrowing the elites. Mm-hmm. It's one segment of the elites using the people as am- ammunition to unseat the other segment of the elites. This is how every single situation, every single society works. And what, what we have today is a state that has um, formed itself into a, uh, what would you call it? Like, like an alchemical machine that takes opposition to itself and turns that into power. So when you oppose the regime, you give the regime a reason to exist and not only to exist, but to expand its power. Because now I look at this, look at all these radicals who are trying to destroy the state. We, you know, we're, we're the state who loves and protects you and all these guys are coming to destroy it. So you actually are the, when you, when you um, a, a, like attack the state on its face, you are actually providing an opportunity for the state to level up. So and I find that fascinating, man. I don't think that something that their entire existence, it being opposition to something else can exist for long. You know what I'm saying? Right, so like, right. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's bound to that thing. Yes, exactly. It's existence is bound to the other thing. And so like a note that I just got from that is that we would be more effective by making ourselves elite. And I think that's yes. where you got a bunch of shit. Yes. And you're just like, stop being poor, bitch. You know, that's the meme that fucking went out. But, like, I think you're right. Because I'm looking at, um, yeah, dude, it it fucking, it hit with me. Because I was just thinking about, like, the best thing we could do with the LP is to get our words out there and really make a big fucking stink. And we're going to look like terrorists. We're going to look like white nationalists. Because, what, 98% of them are fucking white men. Because that's that's just the reality. I'm the brownest, me and fucking Eric July are the brownest people in the libertarian movement. (laughs) uh, So, but that's not really going to do us. I mean, it's going to fucking help us grow our numbers and we're going to fucking get bigger. But what are you going to do with it? We're still going to be, yeah, the stinky asshole. Is your goal to have more libertarians or is your goal to have more liberty? Because those aren't the, that's not the same thing. Getting more libertarians doesn't, automatically translate to more liberty you've got to have something for those new libertarians to do and whatever you would have those new libertarians do that's the thing that you should be doing 
So we actually did a podcast uh, breaking down yours and Pete's podcast, actually. We had a couple guests on. Okay. And, and I think what I got the most out of it was, like, I came up with this fucking analogy that, like, we're on the Titanic right now. And we have, we're watching it fucking sink. And we're talking about, like, getting lifeboats. And, like, we're, now we're sitting on a lifeboat and we're watching it sink. Everybody else is fucking playing music and just have like they don't even know that the fucking boat's sinking and they're just and we're sitting there trying to convince them to come on a lifeboat with us. What we need to be doing is build another boat. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly my my position. The, and I've actually used a similar analogy that the, the the Titanic is sinking and there's not enough lifeboats for everybody. In fact, I would say right now, effectively, there are no lifeboats. Yeah. Like if the regime collapsed, if the re- regime collapses within five years, it's going to be absolute pandemonium. It's going to be a complete like global meltdown. It yeah. would be, it would be catastrophe on, on, a, on a, the level likes of which the likes of which, you know, the world has never seen. That's just because of the, it, it, it has, it's like a, it's a cancer that has just like, I don't, I don't even know my medicine well enough, but it's like, it's like a, a, a cancer that has gotten to the point where it is like irreducibly complex with the, the rest of the world. And so if the, if it goes down, the rest of the world goes with it. And I mean, that's the, that's the nature of a, of a parasite. Like it's going to, it's going to put itself in that position. So the question is whether it's going to kill the. Oh, I was just going to say, it gives you a whole other fucking thought about like Murray Rothbard's article. Would you press the button? You know, because if we, I mean, I probably would, but it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. If we just all at once press that fucking button. So yeah. like it, what you you got to realize then is that that position is not concordant with the nap. So yeah. that that's where the, the where the libertarian position becomes self-defeating because by doing that by pressing that button you are going to destroy millions probably billions of lives. People are going to literally die. Yeah. Because you push that button. And mm-hmm. there and and that's not to the, the the general libertarian position, autistic position, is basically, well, fuck them. They're wrong. Why should I have to change? And that's actually the response that I've gotten from a lot of people. They're like, you know, I've said, if you want the world to change, it starts with you. You got to change yourself. And the rest of the, like, there's there's a, there's a time-tested, um, always true way of changing the world. And it's called changing yourself. When you yeah. change yourself, you'll change the world. But the response I get from people is, well, they're the ones that are wrong. Why should I have to change? And I'm just like, because what else, what else, like, what else is there? Are you, you're, you're going to sit around and wait for them to change? Because that's where, that's where when, when the, the libertarian idea of, wait, we just need to get more people to hear about libertarianism. The, the idea that this is a persuasion issue and that if more, if, if enough people um, heard the message of liberty, then, you know, everything would be all great. This this fundamentally misapprehends the nature of human psychology, the structure of the state, the reality of the media complex, all these things. Like the state doesn't exist because people sanction its existence. Yeah. The state exists and people sanction its its existence. Its existence is independent of the will of the people. Maybe at the beginning, but we're like you said, the cancer has evolved. And even now, yeah. if you if you were to somehow turn the rest of the population against the state, and you and you just flip the chessboard over over, and you like were able to to completely destroy it, what history demonstrates Five is that you later. have just created a vacuum, yeah. Yeah. 
for for the exact and and it's going to be the exact same people too because the people who will benefit the most from a sudden rush of chaos and and strife are the wealthiest most powerful people by definition because they're the ones who have put themselves in the position to be able to survive that so revolution is actually once you start digging into this you see revolution is actually a tool that is used by I don't know how many words I want to say, but it's used by um, the cartels, you know, yeah. the, the the global cartels. They use revolution as a tool to expand their own power. And they've sucked people into opposing them because you get this. I can't remember what the word is for it, but you get that dynamic you're describing where um, by being in opposition to one another, yeah. you actually sustain each other. You create mm-hmm. a tension and both of you can't exist without the other. So the ANCAPs can't exist without the state and the state can't exist without the ANCAPs. They have to have each other. Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. Um, My issue with that would be that I don't know what else, like what's the alternative? Because I feel like if right now, if like I disagree with the idea that people don't want liberty, I'll take that position. I think that we've been trained so much through our education system, through our media, and that is entwined with us. Like we're not getting rid of that anytime soon, but just fundamentally, I think that that's something that's imposed upon us culturally. So I feel like to defend the LP for whatever they were, I feel like just giving people a counter message a counter narrative to do all of that. I think that like, how else do you create like, how else do you create people willing to build lifeboats? Because we need people to build lifeboats. The way that you do that is you start building lifeboats and you get people to join you. The, the, you, the people will join you when they see you. As, as soon as they realize they need a lifeboat and they see that you're building it, that will actually give you the credibility to assume the position of an elite, to be able to dictate the, the, the structure of the, of the future society. What you said there about how People like people actually want liberty, but it's the 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 education, the media system, and everything that have have brainwashed them against it. I think that's true, but it also means that in order to change their mind, you have to to outcompete the most sophisticated mind control propaganda machine of all time, and 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 the way that you have to do that if you're using the LP route is you have to go use their platforms, which lends legitimacy to the platform. So you're 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 now you trying to use their own tool against them, which would mean you would need a message that has to that has to like light an absolute fire and get seventy five percent of the population on board with you right away. But even then, even at that point, the state's not just going to just roll over and go away. Like even then, you get all these people rallied rallied together. Okay, well now what? What are we gonna what are we gonna do with all these people who are all like raw ready for change? Cause what history tells us is you get a whole bunch of people pissed off and riled up and they start charging the gates, and they're either gonna get completely mowed down or they're actually gonna succeed in overthrowing the regime. And when and and when they do, they'll realize that they have been the tools of another segment of the elites who are ready to step in with the new regime that will be imposed upon them, whether they like it or not. This is just the nature of, of human societies. There will always be a regime. The regime will always exist. The question is, will the regime be a good regime or a bad regime? And that depends upon incentives. So a couple of things that I find fascinating are 
it feels like right now the government that we have currently is pushing us for a, a revolution. It feels like that they're doing absolutely everything they can to get every side to fight each other. They're getting them all fucking riled up, and they're they're like shaking up the fucking jar, and they're they're waiting for us to explode. What do you think they they're because you know they are fucking ten steps ahead. What do you think their game plan is? What are they doing? You have any idea? I've got a couple ideas. Um, I want to hear it. <laughs> one of them is one of them is they're waiting for they're waiting for a segment of the population to snap because that will justify you know I don't even want to say it. That will justify anything effectively. Yeah. That will justify them taking any steps necessary. So they're effectively and and as long as you it's kind of cliche but as long as you're all fighting each other you're you're not fighting them. So there's a there's an aspect of that there as well. But what I think the long game is uh is if you listen to Klaus Schwab talk wow. about stakeholder capitalism. He says that so there's shareholder capitalism which is where a, a company is ultimately responsible for to its shareholders. Like it's their job is to maximize the value of the company for their shareholders. Stakeholder capitalism says that a company is responsible to every single person who has a stake in that company. So that would be its customers, its shareholders, its employees, the people in the community around it, the people in the community of its customers and its employees and its shareholders. Really what they do is they just list off every single person in existence. They're saying, this organization's this organization is responsible to every human being on the planet. What they've done is they've said every company needs to function as a government. Every company needs to needs to have the role of a government of a democratic government that is that is um, exists for the sake of 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 of, of, of uh, providing care to its people. So what I see happening here is an evolution beyond Republican governance, little r Republican governance, into a new world of private statecraft. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're effectively going, like right now you have the state and then you have um, banks and corporations that drive the state. And what they're doing is they're getting the middleman out of the way. So uh, you're going to see effectively, I think probably one of the narratives that you're going to see is this is why I think that there's actually a very good chance that a Republican wins in 2024. I think because, so, 100% be- actually. Because I think, that yeah. the, I think that the narrative then is we can't use the government anymore. The government has been taken over by white supremacist terrorists and we can't use it anymore. So we need, we need companies, we need Apple, we need Amazon, we need Google, we need Facebook, we need Sprint. We need you know whatever company. We need them to begin stepping in and acting as governments themselves and doing what's best for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and then they yeah. take. So so so. What I see is that like libertarians and conservatives are going to be like, yes, free market, private companies. Yeah, this is what we've dreamed of. But all it is is the same people who have been weaponizing the state against you now just weaponizing themselves against you directly. Dude, those are the worst type of libertarians, and they're not even fucking worth discussing. They're right. Fucking... 
the right. state, the state <laughs> that we have, the state that we have exists as it does because of the market, because there is market demand for a state like this. Have they used the education system and the media to generate that demand? Sure. But that doesn't change the fact that that demand exists. So when you appeal to the market, well, the market has given you this state. The yeah. market has provided you this state. So, so I was always one of those people that saw Donald Trump. Like to me, I saw them allow him come in and they allowed him. I mean, he was supposed to be, he was a guy that demonized capitalism. He was the one that demonized any thoughts of like Republicanism, small government, any type of, and, and at the same time, he weakened all of the right wingers. Like he got all the right wingers that were oath keepers saying like, if somebody takes our guns, we're ready to fight. We're going to bleed and die. And then what does he do? He fucking takes their guns. He starts doing the fucking little, all that little bullshit. And so he just, he stripped them of any principles that they did have. He effectively had them tie themselves to him. And then he was demonized and made this like giant hunk of shit, which he was like, to me, he was always a heel, man. He's an actor. He was the, he was the fucking guy on WWF. You know what I mean? Like, he played that character perfectly. And I think that he's destroyed any idea of like, he was the, we will never be a socialist country. You know, this, this kind of fucking right. bullshit while we're a socialist country effectively. Yeah, while, right? And while we're, uh, while we're, uh, what, what was it? Um, uh, uh, preserving the pre-existing conditions clause in the, in the, uh, the ACA, yep. <laughs> we'll never have socialized medicine. But also, every, you know, every uh, every uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, insurance company has to pay to cover pre-existing conditions. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. It was. I I think I don't think that he was consciously playing that role. I think he was being played into that role. That's that's been mm -hmm. my read of the situation. Um, I I think he was sincere. I think he he struck me mm -hmm. as being naive and sincere in the in the role that he was playing, and uh, I think he's he's got this boomer. Uh, like uh, what do you call it? Like like rom romanticism kind of about America and the good old days. Make and, America great again, right? I think that he. I think that he Keep has America genuine. Great. I think he has genuine. Um, uh, like like uh, like like I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Like like he has he has strong feelings for you know, the 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 myth of America. I think that he genuinely yeah. believes in that, and I think that he also as a as a businessman, I think that he sees all of the the waste and inefficiency in the government. And he's like, oh, this needs to be run as a government. But that waste and there needs to be run as a business. But that waste and inefficiency is the is a feature of the system. Yeah. That's the reason for the system to exist. So, so going after he, it was a direct threat to the regime. Yeah, well, if he didn't do it purposely, holy shit, did he do the, the best job ever. Right. Because every single one of those things, it, maybe the things that actually made this country great, he fucking demonized. They're attached right. to him now. They're fucking tied right. to him, and so yes. now, like the rest of the the rest of the country is like opposed in every single way, diametrically opposed to that. And if He's, you, so if the LP has a has was was to be successful with their goal with this, the LPMC with the takeover of the LP and do a big presidential campaign and get on all the top platforms and spit this hot liberty fire, if they were successful. Like their absolute best case scenario would be being a shadow of that exact same phenomenon. That's the, you're, the, you're, if, if the Trump movement wound up that way, then 
you've just like you've just seen the model. Like that's exactly how you'll be treated as well. Yeah. What the regime did is Trump Trump genuinely represented a threat to the regime. And the, the regime demonstrated the anti-fragility nature of itself by taking that threat and 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 alchemically converting it into even more power and wealth for itself. And that's that's the that's the exact process that I'm describing. When you attack the regime on its face, when you threaten key aspects of its foundation, when you present yourself as a legitimate threat to it, it will respond by making itself larger and more powerful because it controls see, the mind control mechanism. Well, we can see right now that the Biden administration is looking for us to do that. He's yes. fucking effectively calling everyone a fucking extremist. We're goddamn terrorists right now. You're right. a terrorist, Matt Erickson, because we're right. talking about liberty. We're talking about freedom. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking terrorist. Like, right. Well, okay. So like, I, okay, I'll throw another, like, I want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here again. Um, if you looked at how many people trusted the news pre-Trump versus post-Trump, there's a huge drop-off in just trust in the system. Huge. So it's Fucking like huge. I, I can see like some good from that. Like I think it's good that people look at the news and go, "Oh, that's a corporate story." I guess what I would push back on that is though that is that everyone has is so separated right now. Like yeah. everyone is in their fucking camps, and so like if it was a united opposition to the media and to like the the cathedral, I would be fucking way more excited. But it's like everybody's got guns and they're ready to fucking they're ready to stab each other, dude. <laughs> it's, right, it's an interesting simply, thing, and they can use that energy. Right, exactly. Because simply mistrusting the media isn't sufficient. You need to have that plus something different to inject your energy into. Just mistrusting the media just means that they don't need to use the media to brainwash you anymore. They can just crush you. You know, they don't, it's like, all right, well, this, this, this whole apparatus isn't, isn't useful anymore. We're just going to bypass it. I mean, the media's done the fucking media. I mean, the Hollywood, like the fucking movie, none of those people fucking matter anymore. Like a name an influencer that matters right now. I can't fucking, I can't name you one. Like Cardi B is the most important person in politics. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. So with everybody so divided and with that destroyed, like what you're saying is like, the gloves are coming off. The state is starting to right. like take its mask off, and you're seeing it for the naked authoritarianism that it is. Right, which means that it's that it's coming into the end of its life cycle. That I mean, that's that's part of what you're seeing. So there's there is a white pill in this, which is that the regime will collapse. Every regime collapses eventually. But what is it will be replaced by something? Yes, and exactly. that's what I'm afraid of because like I'm watching them like they know the dollar is done. They they've already known the dollar is done. Like because I would I would hear a libertarian like uh, what's his name a Stossel talk about like well this is inflation and this that and the other and if we keep spending like this and I'm like and they're they're so stupid and I, they're not fucking stupid like Krugman knows what the fuck's going on he's not he's not fucking stupid like they're doing this purposefully they're ruining the fucking dollar on fucking purpose so they have what they want to replace it. This is problem, the, reaction, solution. They are fucking getting ready for this crypto, digital, fucking US digicoin, whatever the fuck it is, that can be tra tracked, traced, and turned off on the fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. And they're, they're, they're maxing, they're squeezing out every last little bit of juice out of the dollar that they can 
borrowing from the future of the dollar that it's never going to have. Yeah. So that they they can build this right now. They know it's going to fucking crash. Like you can actually watch, like if you see the big musical artists and shit, like the old dead douchebags, like the Beatles or whoever, they're fucking selling all of their music. They're giving away all their fucking properties and shit. They're selling it for multi fucking millions of dollars because they're milking it for all it's worth. They know this is all going to be worthless. This is all fucking worthless. So, so the, the, the conclusion from that then is, is if you're going to enter the political system and you're going to try to use a political party to try to affect some sort of a solution, you are effectively, whether you intend to or not, you're effectively working to try to sustain the system that exists now when it's clear that it's going away. So the way I see it is Dave Smith is I love Dave Smith. Actually, he's he brought me to libertarianism, actually. Um, Wow. Yeah. But what I will say is that, like, to me, I see him as the guy yelling, hey, the boat's sinking, the boat's sinking. But he's still on the boat. Right. Exactly. And he's telling everybody, hey, look, everybody, the boat's going to sink. The boat's going to sink. We need and he's, to be and he's building calling another people, fucking boat. Yeah. He's exactly. More he's people. calling people off the lifeboat to come yeah. back onto the boat and tell, tell people, people, hey, hey, people, hey, the boat's exactly. sinking. Yes. Exactly. I fucking right. agree with you. Yes. I fucking agree with you. <laughs> so, it, so the, the question, so, so what, you know, I don't know what the next thing is going to be. That's why people are like, are like, well, what is, what, you know, what would you build instead? I don't know. That's the, that's the whole problem. We aren't even at the, it's not like we have the new system partially built and we just need to get more minds on it to polish it off. So we can just like, I, I keep having this image of, uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean where they're, uh, where the, the boat's coming into to the dock and it's like sinking as it comes down and Jack Sparrow's standing at the top of it. And at the last minute, just before it drops underwater, he steps out onto the dock and, and walks away. I have that image in my head and I'm like, what are we building that we can use that way? So it's like, if that thing was almost built and it was like, we just need to put like the finishing touches on it. Then I could see you're going to do a political campaign just so you can say, look at this shit we've got come over and join us. Even then that, that may not be the best route to go. Cause you may not want to just like broadcast that to the world. You're not going to save everybody. You're going to save the people who have put themselves in a position to hear your message. So, so to me, when I'm having this conversation with people, I'm not trying, because I've had people, like, they try to turn it back around to me and say, well, you're just doing the same thing that he's doing. You know, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're, you're giving a message to lots of people that they're not going to listen to or accept. And my message isn't for everybody. My message is explicitly targeted at the people who are already thinking the sort of thing that I am. I want to get their attention because I know most of them are smarter than I am. And I want to get those people and have them focused on, on this problem. This, this engineer, like the problem of liberty is not a moral or ethical problem. It's an engineering problem. There, we need to engineer a system with an incentive structure that encourages the elites who will inevitably be at the top of the system to act in a way that benefits the rest of us. So yeah. do our, our, our interests align so that when, when I participate in the system, I make it better for everyone else. And when they participate in the system, they make it better for me. And they have an incentive to participate in this system so that it, it will make their lives better. And when they do, it makes my life better. You know, it's, 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 it's that's, you're dealing with it with a, with an, an engineering problem. You're trying to engineer a solution. You don't need the whole population to be on board with you for that. You just need to create it and they'll come. 
What are you saying, Tony? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like so many people, um, even like on the left, like socialists, are trying to engineer society the way that they seem fit. So they're looking at this and they're trying to put the nuts and bolts together in a structural way and in a very detached way at some level. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think about like social credit, like as a system? Because I feel like it's terrifying if if used the way it's probably going to be. But I do feel like that kind of lends to some ability to like trade fluently within people, have some kind of um, like. Do you think that that's a system like worth building up? I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to be built. And so then the question is, will it be built? See, this is when you start thinking like you start thinking like a Machiavellian where you recognize, okay, this is inevitable. It's going to happen. So any effort put toward trying to stop it from happening is, is, is wasted. And then potentially if you're, if you're relating to a system that takes um, energy injected against it and converts it into its own power, then you're, you're losing doubly. Because not only are you wasting time, but you're actually accelerating the timeline for the for the thing you're fighting against. So, when you recognize that it's going to be that it's inevitable, like I've told people for probably like two years now, I've said, get used to not having privacy. Live your life such that if you found out you have no privacy, it wouldn't make a difference to you, because privacy is going away. There will be no privacy, absent a geomagnetic uh, event that knocks down the electrical grid and launches us back into the stone age. Like that's, that's the only way that will, there will be a future where people have privacy. Then we privacy get to live is like becoming Uncle a weapon. Teddy. We get right, to live right. Uncle Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Privacy is becoming a weapon. Those who have it can use it against everyone else. The, the reason that, that state agents are able to do what they're able to do is because it's, it's private. They're acting in the dark. They're, they have plausible deniability. There's no actual proof of the stuff that they've done. So it turns into an influence game and our word against yours. It, what we're moving toward is um, global um, transparency, like absence of privacy. That's going to be, that's an inevitability. It's going to happen. So then the question is, how can you position yourself to benefit more than everyone else around you from that sort of situation from that, that kind of scenario. So if this, if a social credit system is inevitable, then rather than trying to stop it. And I would even say, rather than trying to make yourself um, uh, take your, like even the take yourself off the grid argument where you're like, Oh, I'm just, I'm going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a, a subject to it. All you're doing is you're creating an attack surface for people to come after you. Because now you're isolate, you're identifying yourself and isolating yourself as, hey, I'm your enemy. I'm the person who's against you. I'm the person who will fight you. I'm the most radical opponent of yours. So See, you're you're enticing yeah. them to come after you. I want that though so bad. <laughs> Because what how I see it is like I, we actually have a pretty interesting community here. We live in the Portland area, and there's a lot of free thinking folks like us, and what we're trying to do uh, with a lot of us is we're trying to make little communities, right? We're trying to like, we, we don't obviously live together, but like we know a lot of each other and like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking prepping, man. I've got, I've got food. I've got, I, maybe I shouldn't put this online. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready, <laughs> man. And like, like in two weeks, we have a house that, that is, uh, that we're, uh, that's closing. And I got a fucking big yard. That garden's going to be sick. It's going to be off the hook. Like, I, I see that that maybe is the only small-scale answer. It's just people just building for themselves 
and and be becoming self-reliant in that way and then sharing with people yes like sharing amongst ourselves in small tight-knit communities there's I, there's two ways that you can build wealth two two broad categories for building wealth one is um increasing your own this is going to sound super hokey i just realized the way it's going to be phrased one is increasing your own net worth and the other one is increasing your own network so you could yeah. build wealth vertically or you could do it horizontally and ideally you do both yeah. so so with jason stapleton and our our wealth power and influence program our the the our, our core message is that you you don't ask for liberty you don't beg someone to give it to you you create it for yourself and you create it by controlling the source of your income, making that income mobile where you can take it anywhere in the world. And then um, constantly improving your own human value by increasing your own human capital and making yourself uh, invaluable to your community, to people around you. And then, and then what we're, what we're actually beginning to add to that now, and what is one of the main messages of the, the King Pilled show is that, uh, that community is security. You need to have a community of people who are like-minded, who are connected, ideally in like in meat space, like ideally in like person in person, but at the at the very least digitally, because yeah. the 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 time is going to come where uh, the 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 open carefree days of the last several decades are going away, and the cities in particular are going to be a shit show. Yeah. They're going to be a, an absolute clusterfuck. And anybody who's within it, if you're in the city, you sure as hell better be able to take care of yourself and be, be able to buy off anyone. Essentially. Tony, you they, better they, get like, out of Portland, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm making good, a plan. So. We're moving so, about so, a half hour outside and kind of a more rural. Yeah. 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 And that's where, that's where like, that's my my vision kind of over the next couple of years is is finding finding like-minded people. This is why I started doing the show. I want to find people who see what I see and think the way that I do. And I want to get I want to encourage people to start relocating themselves to the same areas. As people are leaving the urban number one, you got to get out of the cities. You got to get out of the urban areas. Dude, I keep looking at Idaho like a motherfucker. That's what we're looking at as well. Yeah. Idaho or Texas right. is the two places that are that are on our minds right now. Yeah. Uh, Texas, because that's where a lot of people are. That's where a lot of, uh, of of like-minded people are. So there's a better network there. But then Idaho, because it's out in BFE. And, yeah. uh, and, and there's like the Twin Falls area is just, we drove through there a couple months ago and it's just absolutely stunning. It's one of the key agricultural hubs in the US. Yeah, and, it's fucking beautiful. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's everything that I like about because I grew up on the coast. I grew up in Pacific Northwest, and it's yeah. everything that I like about. I grew up in Eureka in Humboldt County. Okay, I grew uh, up in uh, in Bremerton, Washington. Okay, yeah. yeah so I mean, you guys don't consider us Pacific Northwest, I guess, but we we consider <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. yeah, you're close enough. <laughs> uh, but dude, it's everything that like Western and Northern Idaho is some of the most beautiful fucking places I've ever seen, man. Glacier National Park in Montana is, is, yeah, is, is absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, I think, I think that's the, I think that sort of area is going to wind up becoming kind of a stronghold. And, and I think what's going to happen too, is that the, the regime, the regime isn't going to have, it doesn't have infinite assets. Like it's not going to be able to 
keep a full court press everywhere all the time. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, the internet is where is where a lot of a lot of people are basically just going to kind of have to check out of the internet and not like not really use the internet at least in the way that that we do today. There's yeah. they're going to have to create some kind of a parallel system effectively that most people connect with. But could we build an and, intranet? Could we build like a smaller yeah something that we can? That's that with? all that yeah. shit's over my head. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm taking Venermani's Bitcoin Mystery School <laughs> um here in a, in a few weeks just so I can understand. Like I need. I'm like all right, shit. I need to be able to understand how this crypto stuff works because yeah. like I I need. I think I'm going to need to be able to like. I don't know what, what the fuck you, you know, boot up a node or whatever. And, and like all the, I'm going to have to know how to do that shit. So I'm going to go try to learn that. Um, but I, I, like, that's where that I think too. that's where the, that's, that's, that's the path forward. The path forward is finding like-minded people and creating intentional communities with, with resource sharing and, and uh, 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 like looking out for each other in in rural or remote areas in the country if you're even going to remain within the u.s well see i had it i mean me and tony had a fucking idea too i was like look they we're playing a game of monopoly and we're just some assholes playing and they've been running the bank this whole time they have the fucking instruction manual and they're using these rules against us and this is one of the first times i was like man we got to start playing by the fucking we need to start looking at the rule books and like if we got to cheat we got to cheat if we got to fucking you know, we just got to fucking play the game. And I was thinking, I was like, man, what if we started our own fucking church? A church of Libertas. Got a fucking 501c3 going. We got a tax-exempt little thing, and we just, like, had a little fucking, you know, a little piece of land in Idaho. Or fucking somewhere in the middle of Oregon or Washington or up there and just, like, I don't know, man. So just started. What? Just, dude, I was looking in Washington. Dude, I found, like two, like, it was 200 fucking acres. For uh, $200,000. Jeez. In Eastern it, Washington? It was Northern Washington. So, I mean, it's okay. probably cold as shit, but I was like, dude, like, buffaloes and shit do fine there. We can fucking have a buffalo ranch. You know what I mean? Grow <laughs> potatoes and just fucking sell shit. Yeah. You know, and just like, yeah. that's enough land where. I also, what are we saying, Tony? Sorry. I also think that if you're going to do something like that, you ought to get ahead of the PI battle just because you don't want to be crushed. Like, you want to have everyone going, like, yeah, we like those guys. They're pretty cool. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of people are going to do that. Let's and, talk and a bunch of social justice quiet. nonsense. <laughs> Get everyone on board with us. <laughs> the The way that you do that, the way that you get everybody, the way that you win the PR battle, I mean... Honestly, the way that you win the PR battle is never getting involved with it and doing whatever you need to to not have to go that route. But ultimately, if you do, you want to ensure that your people are seen as valuable people. Not that you've got the best message or not that you have the the most factual worldview or not that you, you know, not that you have all the best ideas. You need to be seen as people who genuine who generate significant value to the world who are solving people's problems who are making people's lives better actively and you do that through you don't do that through the political realm you do that through business through education through entertainment those are the those are the arenas where you you uh begin to position yourself to to compete in that pr battle this as i said i said for a while now that the the future of the liberty movement is in business education and entertainment and the latter two are subsets of the first one. Education and entertainment are just forms of business. Liberty is not something that you ask for. It's something that you create. 
You, you, you have to create it and you create it through generating value and through amassing a community of people who will all look out for each other. And you just have to treat the state as in whatever form that it has, you have to treat it as a constant. Now that the time may come where you and your network um, or even you individually have accumulated the resources necessary that you're like, we want to strike out on a, a major endeavor. So we talked about this idea of like private statecraft becoming a thing, you know, these major corporations basically just bypassing the government and, and, and beginning to govern directly. What I would love to see is people who think like us beginning to innovate in providing statecraft services themselves in a given region. And I don't know, pooling resources and buying an island somewhere. And then using that island as a, a, a place to workshop a new social system, a new legal system of some type. Mentris Moldbug has his patchwork idea where he's described the, the way that you could run a state as a joint stock corporation. So it's effectively like a, like a royal monarchy that's run yeah. as a joint stock corporation because monarchy is basically every single institution that we encounter in our daily life is a monarchy. It's run as a monarchy with a CEO at the top. It has a board of directors, but every CEO has his court of, or, or every king has his court of nobles. The monarchy is something that's baked into our consciousness. And I mean, from a Christian perspective, we are all children of the king. So that, yeah. that it's even there in a spiritual sense. The only area where we don't apply this monarchical principle is in our politics. But even that has moved in that direction to where now we effectively have an elected king. So, so monarchy is something that's just innate in, in the human psychology. And what I would love to see is a group of people who think like we do, who've done the work to, to secure their own, to control the source of their income, to secure their own wealth and, and provide for their families and network with other people who have wealth, power, and influence themselves to get a, a, an organization of people like that and say, we're going to, to buy, um, you know, some, like there's, there's a private city that's being created off the coast of Honduras, I think right now. And Peter Thiel is associated with it because of course he is. And they, what they're doing is they, they have purchased this Island and they've, they've built a company that is going to run that Island. And they're, hmm. you know, they're, it's not very innovative, um, cause they're, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of just, it's basically continuing within the Western tradition of, of yeah. liberal government. Keep it a corporation and they're ex explicitly a corporation. They might not get fucked over. Like you remember all those people that were seasteading, remember? And they were trying to make, they were trying to build their own little islands. And then yeah. Thailand was like, fuck you. This is ours. Again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't play with that shit. They're like, right. You know, so maybe if they explicitly are their secret about like, hey, we're trying to influence the world, we're actually just a corporation and we're doing this and we're selling a product and under the fucking rug, we're influencing the fucking world because that's what they're doing. Like Google right. is a corporation. What the fuck are you doing? You're Social influencing the world. Yeah, you're just you're fucking with me. Right. So we that's, that's where <laughs> in all those cases. So so when I you know, when I bring these, when I, I, I kind of suggest this to people, there's, there's, you know, all I mean, when I can suggest it to myself, there's all kinds of objections that it's like, well, maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. Right. This is why 
This is why I want people focused on this and trying to engineer these kinds of solutions, precisely because there are so many different ways that it can be fucked with. And ultimately, you're having to go toe-to-toe with with the largest organizations in the history of mankind, which is what the, the modern corporate states are. So ultimately, like I think the, the way to approach it is just treat them as a constant and do whatever you, pay them whatever you need to pay them to, yeah. to live the way that you want to live and, and approach them from, from that perspective that like, look, we don't want to, like, we're not trying to, to, to grow a, a, a sovereign nation that's going to compete and take you over. We're just trying to, we're just trying to look out for our people on our Island and we're willing to, we're going to do business with you. We're going to trade with you. We'll provide you, you know, we're going to, we're going to be growing little engineers here and we'll do the engineering for your, for your business, you know, whatever. Treat them, approach them from a perspective of, um, of, of peace and being, being willing to yeah. cooperate with them in whatever way necessary. If they're like, you know, maybe the, the land, you like look at the land and it's the island and it's valued at $50 million, you know, whatever. I'm just pulling a number out of my ass. And, and you're like, all right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to pool our money and we're going to purchase this island from the sovereign nation that currently possesses it. And that sovereign nation comes to you and says, all right, it'll be $5 billion. Then, okay, I guess we have to come up with $5 billion to, to get it. You know, just, just, just roll with the punches. Just take every single situation as it comes and do whatever is necessary to create your own liberty. I fucking love it, man. That's brilliant. And I think that <laughs> that's a lot less threatening than starting our own religion. Because religions are looked at fucking. <laughs> and well, see, see, I would, I would go that route as well. I just wouldn't be obvious about it. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, you ever get into any Bucky Fuller? Never heard of him. Uh, he's just like some '60s um, designer, but um, one of the things he said was that if you want to, like, instead of fighting against what you don't like, find out what it does and do it better. And it's kind of like getting that vibe off of that. I so, really like that. Kind of like, okay, like, this is a constant. And just figure out, like, okay, so we can't escape this, so let's try to design it better. Right. You're, you're, you're basically innovating in statecraft and, and attempting to out-innovate the... Because the, the reality is, if something works, it will continue to work. Like selective pressure over time will make make it so that the thing that works continues to work because the thing that works is true that's the definition of truth is the thing that works and if your if your ideas are so good then you should be able to innovate with them in a way that you don't have to persuade the rest of the world to just come follow you they will want to do it. They'll be lining yeah. up to do it. They should be coming to you, money in hand, saying, how can I be a part of what you're doing? You shouldn't be having to go out and flog them and like just beg and plead and wheedle and like try to get them to come on board with you. If your ideas are so good and so effective, apply them. Put them into practice and let your work speak for themselves. And the, and, and the people will come, will, the people will come to you assuming that your ideas are actually that great. Now, if your ideas sound really great in theory, but then fall apart once they're put into practice or immediately devolve into something else, 
that's a you problem. Like your, your product sucks. You have to innovate a better product. If people aren't buying what you're trying to sell them, that's not their problem. They aren't the ones who are wrong. You are. You're the one who's trying to sell it to them. This is, a, this is a, like a basic business principle. If you've created a product and you go out and you're trying to sell it to people and nobody wants it, then you don't say, oh, well, they're the ones that are wrong. They should, you know, they should love this. Look at how amazing this product is. I mean, you can do that, but you're just wasting your breath. Yeah. You, what you do is you go back to the drawing board and you, you rebuild the product. You make it better. You improve it in some sense, or you drop the price, or you make a better sales pitch, or you do something like that. You have to change what you're doing. I love it, man. Uh, this is fucking fascinating. I know we're getting close to your time here. Um, I want to have you back on after I read the Machiavellians. Uh, I love talking about solutions too, because like everything we talk about is really black filling, you know. Because it, right. it is when you look into the fucking eye of Sauron, dude. There's a lot of fucking, there's a lot of black pill. Yes. Right. And so we got to find the little glimpses of white pill in there. Um, Dude, I love I think, having I you think on. When you, when you read the book, I think that it will ultimately be it'll it'll be black pilling to you at first, but then ultimately it will be white pilling because you'll realize that people are really fucking stupid. <laughs> people are very very Done. easy to lead around to 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 manipulate. That people are lemmings that are just they're just following their programming. Once you realize that, then it's like, okay, this is a system that I can hack. This isn't something that's just some incomprehensible thing that's out of my control. This is a system that I can hack. And I can I put myself into the system and I realize that if I like tug on this little cord here, then that, that little thing will ding and it'll go over, you know. It's it's this big Rube Goldberg machine, but you can reverse engineer it and you can figure out how it works and you can figure out your place within it. And that to me that that creates a lot of clarity for how to move forward and and it it rather than to me nothing is more blackpilling than the idea that we have to try to get the world on board with libertarian theory that's the most blackpilling shit i've ever heard because nobody gives a shit about libertarian theory the only people who care about libertarian theory are libertarians and yeah. the reason that libertarianism isn't more popular is it because people haven't heard of libertarians it's because they have heard of libertarians and they don't want shit to do with them so that's that to me is the black pilling path forward the white pill path forward is this is a system that we can hack and we can engineer our way out of it we just have to be honest about what the system is and what we're working with and once we begin that process I think that we're on the cusp of creating a a, a network of people uh, like us who get yeah. this, who see the, who who begin to see a path forward. And it's like, all right, we don't need to go fuss around with this this politics media charade. We can actually get into the guts of the machine, and we can begin working on it ourselves. Yeah, well said, man. And I'm glad that we I'm glad that I finally got to talk to you. And yeah, uh, me too, man. Let's continue to build this fucking community of, of like-minded folks, man. You're in the Absolutely. Pacific Northwest too, aren't you? I'm in LA now. I'm I'm not oh, okay. in LA. I'm out east of LA. Um, That's cool. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be here for another two years or so. Uh, we signed a lease, and uh, little man was just born, ten months old, and uh, so we've got to we got to prioritize him for right now. Um, and then awesome, we'll be man. we'll be relocating somewhere. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was I, good talking I, to you guys. I appreciate it. 
Yeah. I've got a little one that's uh, about to be born in, uh, in October. So. Ooh. Uh, what, <laughs> Start what's, over. what's the due date? Uh, October 6th. Oh, he was born October 2nd. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Okay.